So today we start this stewardship series about the God-lived life, but we're not starting where we usually may think about starting stewardship, talking about our, our finances, although that is, that is one part of our lives that, that God has every claim to as well, and, and month four is when we'll talk about that. But today we start about how, how we came into this God-lived life by the living and active Word of God. We see what it does to change our hearts, what a God-lived life looks like, and, and how we get there through the Word. In our gospel lesson today, we saw two people who went to church, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And, and before the Pharisee opened his mouth and started talking, at first glance, you would look at the two of them, and if you were going to, to say that one of them was living the God-lived life, you would point to the Pharisee. Because there he was. He looks like he's living the God-lived life. He looks like he's a perfect example of good, uh, b- believing stewardship. He, he says that he goes to church every single week, that he gives a tenth of everything he has. I remember, it was, it's probably been a few years ago now, we did the, the 10 for 10 series, or where we said, let's consider giving 10% of our income, see what God does with that. And, and amazing things happened here at St. Paul's, if you remember that. Uh, but but that's not the be-all and the end-all of a God-lived life, what we do with our wallets. The, the Pharisee had that down. But then he opens his mouth and starts talking, and you realize that he wasn't looking for righteousness from God. Instead, he was looking to justify himself. And he was trusting in himself and not the living and active and enduring word of God. And then the giant surprise that this man in the back corner, beating his breast, saying, I don't deserve it, is the one who goes home justified because he trusts in the forgiveness, the mercy that God has. And that's, that's, what, that's what we gather for every week at St. Paul's, to, to trust in the mercy and the forgiveness that God has to empower us to go and live a God-lived life, a life that doesn't pat ourselves on the back for the, the challenges that, that we've done or, or, or our own godliness, but one that in, in loving response to God says, how can I live my life more and more like Christ? So we'll ask ourselves, where do we, where do we fall? Because none of, us, none of us want to say, I want to be more like that Pharisee. But we should look inside a little bit and say, sometimes, is it true that sometimes I, I seem like I'm living the God-lived life? But by God's grace, that it's, that it's more than that. That we're living, by the grace of God, a God-lived life. Not, not just doing the right things, but, but simply being who God has created us to be. Not, not doing these challenges because we're supposed to, but because it's... It's just who we are. We're living our life and for fulfilling our purpose. The God-lived life is a life that is lived in relationship with God. It's a reaction to God and his life that lives inside of us. So uh, we, we hear these words of encouragement from the apostle Peter about this life of being a disciple. It's a life that wants to grow closer to God and to really crave his word. He began by saying, now you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another. Now love one another deeply from the heart. 
He tells us because we've listened to the truth, because it's made an impact on us, we've been made pure and holy through the work of Christ. And he says, dear Christian friend, show that. Live that way. And what does it look like? Well, one example was loving one another deeply, an intense love that doesn't give up, a a passionate love that's committed to showing love all the time and not just when it's convenient. Love one another from the heart. And then he says, how can you love? Why can you love like that? Because you've been changed. Verse 23 says, for because you've been born again. You're a new kind of creation. You've died to sin and selfishness and you've been born again, sons and daughters of Christ, of God. You've been born again. And how? Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Because the living word of God works. It does something to us. It's, it's an enduring word that is going to be here long after we're gone, continuing to encourage and empower Christians. And Peter kind of proves his point by, by quoting a verse of scripture that has endured for 700 years already from the book of Isaiah about how enduring and living the word of God is when he says all people are like grass. Their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. If we're looking at ourselves, these external things, it's all going to blow away and disappear. But one thing's never going to disappear. The word of the Lord endures forever. We're here and we're gone, but God's word stands. It endures. His promises endure. And then the Apostle Peter says, and this is the word that was preached to you. You've been changed by something that powerful. We have been. But do we always realize that? We know theologically the power of God's word. We can think back to what God's word has done in the Bible. So we think about God just speaking the words and all of creation comes into into existence. But it's another thing to act on that knowledge, to believe that God's word inside of us is powerful for us too, and, and lasting and important and something to crave and to cherish. I want every opportunity to be connected to its power, we should think. But if we're honest with ourselves, how many weeks do we show up at church just because it's a habit or something we're supposed to do? How many times do do we open our Bible for a daily or weekly or monthly devotional reading? And and even then, it's kind of like, ah, well, I I should do this, I guess, instead of just being excited and and having eager excitement to do that. Um, the, The Bible sitting on our shelf at home I wonder how often we, we don't think of that as one of our most treasured possessions or, or even the, the Bible app on our phone where we may go to, to get to God's word. When we think about it, how, how important and costly and, and valuable the word of God is that, that, that God went to the cross to, to shed his blood for us so that we could have this forever and how we sometimes do just kind of slide it to the side. Now, 
If, if that happened in, in real life, if you see somebody just, just throw away something that was so costly, you got to get upset about that. You can maybe imagine a, a, a young um, couple who are in love and, and the young man goes and spends all he has plus some to buy that beautiful diamond ring. And then you, you see him go down on his knee and propose and, and the gal takes it and just throws it. You're like, what is going on here? There must be more to the story, we'd probably think. But, but something as, as important as God's word, that we can do that. Well, what, what, what does God see when he looks at us and sees our devotion to his word, this precious gift that he's given to us, our, our attendance at Bible study, our faithfulness in personal devotions? <laughs> but this gift that God has given us is the word of God, it's living and enduring. And it's this, this very gift that can point out our shortcomings, that can fortify us and forgive us and give us the power to live a God-lived life because in this living and enduring word of God, we see the living and enduring word of God made flesh, the one who's come to rescue us from ourselves so that we can be with him forever. We see God himself coming down to live the God-lived life that God demands. We see uh, from... Uh, from 12 years old, Jesus is gathered in the temple saying, I have to be about my father's work. He's, he's learning from the teachers of the law. He's, he's teaching them. We see Jesus, when he's tempted by Satan, using God's word that he's memorized and he has in his heart to fight off temptation. We, we, we see the word of God made flesh go to the cross so that he could give a sacrifice that would forgive us from every time that we've neglected his word and be the gospel that empowers us to live a God-lived life by buying us back from sin and death and bringing us into God's family. God gave you this word because he desperately wants us to have life and to have it to the full. And this is the word that gives and proclaims that life for us. And that changes our life. Peter goes on to say, Therefore, because you've been, you've been born again by the living and enduring word of God, you're a new creation, you're forgiven, you're empowered, therefore use that power and rid yourself of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. He's saying, you're changed. And because you are somebody different than who you used to be, it doesn't make sense to live in that kind of a way anymore. Instead, verse 2 of chapter 2, have this kind of an attitude. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. It's a pretty vivid picture, right? Like, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. It's been a handful of years since we had newborn babies in our house. But, 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 but maybe you can still remember, you've got, you've got a baby who's really hungry, you've got a bottle of milk, and you bring that over and the baby gets onto the bottle and, and starts drinking. Now imagine right at that moment you just pull it away. What, what's going to happen? clenched, red face, screaming, give that back! If they could talk is what they'd be saying. Because it's good. It's, it's, what, it's what they need. And, and whether they really know it or not, it is what they need. It's, 
It's life and death. If, if you don't feed me and take care of me with this milk, I, I'm not going to make it. We draw the connection for ourselves. God says, crave this word of God like, like a newborn baby craves milk because, because it's life or death. <laughs> because our souls need God's word. We need that constant reminder of who we are in Christ and his forgiveness and that removal of guilt to fill us up and to give us hope. And if we go too long without that, we can spiritually waste away. And we crave it because it's delicious and it's helpful. Imagine that a world-class chef comes over to your house one night and asks you about your, your favorite dinner, the best thing you could imagine. And then he or she says, all right, just wait a little while. It takes a little while. You're starting to get hungry, but you can smell the smells coming through and, and all of these tasty, tasty foods that you've just been dreaming about. And they, they come out and they just give you a little forkful and say, try this and tell me, is it, is it about right yet? And you taste it and the flavors just come into your mouth and, and oh, it's, it's wonderful, yes. And at that point, what do you want? <laughs> give me the rest of the meal, put it on the table, let's go. That, that's, that's the kind of feeling that God's word inspires for us to crave that pure spiritual milk, which is the word of God because we've tasted it. We know that the Lord is good, and now it's going to help us grow and grow into that salvation that we have. And that's, that's one of the things we're, we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to grow up as we challenge ourselves to live a God-lived life more and more. So, now we're going to take a look at these commitment cards and, and challenge cards and just think about how can, how can I live a, a God-lived life? You know, this isn't impacting my salvation at all. It's a way for me to exercise my faith. So we've, we've picked out four things here that, that, that we think could be good fits for growing in faith and discipleship on this card and then made a blank line too because maybe you've got an idea yourself. That, that you really like. Our first one is to uh, pick a plan and start a daily Bible reading. And maybe if it's for you, it's not daily. Maybe it's going to be three times a week or something, or, or a couple times a week, or, or during the, the five days of the work week. But think about how that could work for you, picking a plan and starting a daily Bible reading. We have a bunch of sources for you to look at as you think about this. One of them is that wells.net serving you slash Bible. Our, our church body has some um, three-year Bible readings, get through the Bible in three years, different things like that. We also have inside of the worship folder a couple of different charts, which I've just enjoyed working at these because they're a little different. They don't quite uh, necessarily go start at Genesis, make it all the way to Revelation, and sometimes you just kind of get caught in Leviticus and, and stuck there. But it kind of bounces back and forth between read, a, read a, an Old Testament chapter of the Bible, read a New Testament or section or book of, of the Bible. So there's some ideas for how to, how to go through a year uh, through the entire Bible. And then another one that is, is a little less daunting maybe, the 5 by 5 by 5 And I, I didn't create any of these, just resources I found online that I've enjoyed. And that's just going through the New Testament. It's about one chapter a day, and it's got some breaks for reflection in there too, kind of five days in a row, and then take a break, 
and that takes you through the New Testament. And it doesn't just have you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, where you kind of read the same thing four times in a row, but it has the Gospels spread throughout there too. Then in the news and notes, there's also a couple more options with QR codes for trying out those Bible reading plans that are online and joining together with the rest of the congregation that's in the top, let's see, top right corner, I think it is. Um, maybe, or maybe you just go simple and say, I want to try this for a month. It's January. There's 31 days in January. We're a few days in, but I'll read the book of Matthew, a, couple, a chapter a day. So some ways to challenge yourself in that area. The next one is attend a Bible study or a Sunday school four times in the next four weeks. So this is for kids too, for everyone in the family. And, and just say, yeah, I'm going to try and weekly make it to do that. There's midweek Bible studies here. There's uh, Sunday morning studies. Read a devotion with your family or your spouse three times a week. That's incredibly huge, uh, really important for growing up as a family. Or set aside a time to pray daily. Maybe consider starting a prayer journal so you can see how God answers those prayers. And then by grace, I commit to these goals. Sign your name on there. And you can place that in the offering plate as that comes by in just a little bit. Or if you need to ponder it a little bit longer, uh, there's going to be a basket right out on the way out. And at the end of the service, you can place it in there. And we'll look at it a little bit in our next Bible study time too. But um, let's, let's have a quick prayer to God and ask him to be with us as we, as we take on these challenges. Uh, Lord, by your grace, we, we ask that as you've committed yourself to us, we, we commit ourselves to you and, and be with us as we challenge ourselves to, to grow in the grace that you've given us. You've, you've let us taste and see how good you are. Now let us crave that more and more. Amen.